going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by the 57KD national champion, Chrissy Paraki, and she gave me a really fun and interesting interview. Um, apparently, I'm keeping uh, Two White Lights Italian. Um, had Joey Flex on the show, me as the host, and now we have Chrissy on. And, uh, yeah, my laptop agrees with me. But, um... Awesome interview with her. Talk about, of course, how she got to start in fitness, how she transformed into a competitive power lifter. Um, really interesting conversation about building her confidence as a competitive power lifter. It's hard to believe some of these lifters come on the show and they lack confidence in spite of them being so amazing. Like, she's a national champion, but she was talking about maybe being like this uh, imposter in the sport, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome, and then coming onto the scene – in full force once he won 2019 Raw Nationals. We talk about that as well. Um, terrific performance there. Got her into an IPF World spot. Hopefully IPF Worlds can happen. And from what I've heard, actually, is uh, luck might be on Chrissy's side because it looks like it, that will happen in some way, shape, or form in the future. So um, good news for her. Good news for Chrissy in that regards. And we talk about... Things we would change in the sport, talk about uh, weight cuts, uh, interesting conversation there, things you love about the sport the much, the growing community in powerlifting, and I debuted a new segment called White Light, Red Light, really fun uh, conversation and segment with that, so awesome interview with Chrissy, hopefully I have her on again sometime, but before we get into the interview, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftflarbros.com, use promo code 2WL10, and get 10% off of whatever you need from Leftlar Bros. I love all their merchandise. You know I love my baseball tees. It is full beanie season, so I got to have my beanies. Also, they have released some hoodies that I love. Actually, probably are not my new favorite things because it is comfy as a motherfucker and is pretty looking, and those are the two most important things in clothing, prettiness and comfiness. And also, they got Two White Lights banners. If you go on the site, Two White Lights banners, you can get that 10% off. Use that promo code 2WL10. You can only get those banners at leftlarbros.com. And I believe they're releasing some new graphics with their tees. And it looks amazing for all you ancient Rome, ancient Greece fans out there. That's what it looks like. And again, save some money. Use promo code 2WL10. Get yourself some merchandise. Also, Go to Rivalist.net, get all of your informed choice supplements from Rivalist. I use Rivalist for you USAPL lifters, all you drug tested lifters. That little green check mark is going to be very important, and that's why I recommend that you take Rivalist. Use that promo code ANGELO15, get 15% off of your order. You can get your pre-workout proteins, branching amino acids, whatever you want to take. Use that promo code ANGELO15. Informed choice, that's important. Also, go to lift.net. Lift net i can't speak and get yourself some stoic gear i only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform and they just dropped two new colors that look beautiful green and white they got the olive green and the white i bought the white because i want to look like Shawn michaels at wrestlemania 12 and that is my goal for my next meet and they look amazing People have given me their feedback that how much they love the colors, and I love them too. So go to lift.net, get yourself some stoic gear, use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of your order. Also, go to Notorious Lift, 
Be sure to follow Notorious Lift on Instagram because that's where they release all their drops and that's how you keep up to date on what they're releasing. They have a ton of different designs and colors with their slippers and they're amazing. I love to deadlift with my Notorious slippers and I also like to bench them as well. No slip grip is a real thing and I've only been wearing Notorious Lift since I switched out of my squat shoes. So be sure to visit Notorious Lift Get yourself some slippers. Also, follow and subscribe to Two White Lights on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. And I thank you so much to the people who uh, did that little Spotify rap and showed me that they, I was either in their top five or their number one most listened to podcast. And I just it's awesome to see that. I know um, the Spotify rap can be cringe and all that stuff, but... It really means a lot that, you know, so many hours were listened to Two White Lights. So many people have followed. I think our follows have been up 300% since we, you know, since the last calendar year. And the listens have been through the roof. The growth of the show has been fantastic. And I have no one to thank but you guys. So thank you very much for that. Also, if you haven't followed on Spotify, if you haven't subscribed on iTunes, be sure to do that. You could be listening and it's not doing that. That really means a lot to me if you guys follow and subscribe. But I kept you guys here for a long time, and here it is, Two White Lights. Ooh, baby, I like it. So I could take her away Off on the natural charge Bomb voyage Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad And as promised I got with me 57 kg national champion In the female division Very multiple like Italian episodes I had Joey Flex on first And now the next episode is with Chrissy Praki So, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Not bad. Thanks for joining Two White Lights. Um, how's uh, how's training been? I see lots of videos going up, but I'm just not sure if there's any competitions coming up. Training's going really well. Um, I have nothing on the horizon quite yet. We're thinking in the spring, but you know, waiting for the calendar to update and all that, and uh, kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with nationals mm-hmm. and trying to time it with that and what exactly is going to happen with the world's team and all that. So. Oh yeah. I, I keep on forgetting that, um, people who won nationals also have a bummer of not competing in IPF worlds this year too. And also some of the alternates, uh, my good friend, Carson Allen, who is a junior, uh, 83 qualifier. Like he wore his team USA jumpsuit to the, uh, to the last meet we did. And I'm like, Oh no, I forgot that you, <laughs> <laughs> weren't able to compete in IPF Worlds. Was was that going to be your first IPF Worlds? Yes. Oh. Hopefully it'll so, happen again. Yeah. So this spring was kind of a shit show, to say the least, with, you know, the anxiety of what exactly was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you found that out, like, what was the, the initial feeling of, like, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a sadness. Like, was it because of the IPF Worlds team of, like, everything getting shut down or just the very fact that competitions weren't going to happen in a while? 
it was definitely because Worlds wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kept getting, like, the pushback on it, like, oh, they're going to postpone it. And then it was getting postponed to right before Nationals. So then there was the anxiety of, like, what the hell are they going to do with that? Um, but just, like, the whole spring in general, you know, we got back from the Arnold, mm-hmm. and within a couple weeks, everything got shut down. And I was lucky enough to take some equipment back from the gym because at that point we were still prepping for Worlds. Yeah. So at least I could still, like, train by myself in the basement in the cold. Um, but yeah, it's just, everything was just so all over the place, but the, it was a blessing in disguise for me to be honest with you. Cause that time to train by myself. And then like when everything got pushed, it was like, okay, I can really focus on technique mm-hmm. and getting those little things honed in. And like, it's helped so much with my squats. Yeah. Um, me and me and Joey Flax talked about this like prior episode in 2020 of people actually, being able to not have all the other variables, it actually might help them as far as a regular year goes. Like when you think of competition and when you think of, let's say nationals, for example, there's, I guess this point of you're competing against others. So therefore your numbers are going to might be different because you might take bigger jumps than you're used to. You actually see a little bit more accurate representation of what certain lifters are able to do right now because there's no competition going on. And we use Atwood and Roscoe's example. Like, those two guys were easily going to win the competition. The local meets were going to do. So they just pushed all their thirds. And it's like, holy shit, those are what their thirds are. Like, it's... And that's what they get to hit where if you don't have nationals, like, the numbers are a little bit different. And I've said this in prior podcasts where some of this was a blessing in disguise for certain lifters. Um, I wasn't really sure if it was you. You seemed to be pretty locked in. Uh, since I've been following you pretty locked in on your training and extremely consistent, but I use Atwood as an example. Like, it seemed like he was battling some injuries going into March where Sheffield was going to happen. Then that gets canned. Then it's like, okay, you can actually work on that. You could actually work on, like, the injuries you're going through and build upon that, and you see what happened, like a crazy performance after that. Yeah. And it was also, like, kind of like a mental like nice mental break from lifting too, where you don't always like you have to be on so much from these big competitions Mm -hmm. to the big competition. So it's not, you don't really have time to just kind of, I don't want to say relax with training, but like, you know, not put so much pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. constantly. So that was, that was nice for me too. is cause like, all right, I get to give myself like a little break in that aspect too, where I'm not constantly pushing everything. Yeah. And, it kind of helped me mature as a lifter too, where I'm not chasing numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I knew I had to learn, but now I totally understand it. <laughs> yeah, that also gave some lifters. I mean, actually, it was like a make or break moment for a lot of lifters once you went into the quarantine and once like you had to rack up this equipment just to train and not lose any progress. It was make or break. Like, are they going to fall into the same habits that they were in? where they try to push things when they're totally shouldn't, especially, like, with the equipment that they have. Like, you probably yeah. uh, shouldn't um, do that. Uh, but also just how willing you're able, how hard you're able to work under those circumstances. Like, what are you going to work on? Are you going to work on some of your weak points? Or are you going to work on some of the stuff that you're struggling with? Or are you just going to con- like continuously get better? I think... Like, the, the top lifters seem to really still take training seriously and not really take a step off from it. I mean, it was hard for me at first, too, because, like, having the availability of, you know, the racks in my basement, all I have to do is walk down the stairs to get there. 
I would push it off a little bit in the beginning, like, oh, I'll wait till 2 p.m. And then it's like, oh, I could take a nap right now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, 7 o'clock's coming around, and it's like, shit, I got to get downstairs. So, like, I had to put myself on a schedule. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was me completely. Because all my, I guess, with training wise, like, as far as training in, like, my basement and with the equipment that I had, it was good. I was still hitting, you know, the training, um, you know, the regular programming. We were still doing a really good job of that. But the discipline in other parts of my life were just way down. Like, playing Call of Duty with my friends till 4 o'clock in the morning was something I would never do under any other circumstance but during the quarantine. Or like, like hey, let's pass so the time. time. Yeah, it's like pass the time. It's like, hey, you know what? Just bought a six a six pack of beer. Let's just hang out and drink. And then like you figure that your sleeping is being hurt. Then you go and train at like some crazy weird time. Like I never train at like nine o'clock at night or something. Because like, okay, I got to recover for that. And yeah, some of the other parts aside from lifting, like your discipline is way down on. Yeah, it made it interesting. And then I finally, like, said to myself, like, I sat myself down and had a tough talk. I was like, all right, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't think Joe knew of my other, like, habits during that time of, like, uh, because the training was going well. Like, the actual lifting part was going well. But it's like, oh, it's, same here. Yeah, so, like, it's not good going to sleep at 4 o'clock in the morning like I'm 16 years old again playing Call of Duty. And I sleep until 1 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. Like. Yeah, I would get up. Get on my laptop, check my email, see if I had to do anything for work. I'm like, all right, we're good. I'm going to close my laptop down and fall back asleep until like one o'clock and uh, restart my day. But, but so this, looking throughout your career, extremely high accolades, um, defending national champion. And, you know, the reason why you're on the show is because you're a, an excellent power lifter, but it seems like, and I have no knowledge of your prior history and like other, you know, in, in as far as your fitness career goes, but just based on me kind of looking at your Instagram page and meeting you in person, maybe once or twice, what, how did you get your start in fitness? And was there other things you did prior to powerlifting in the fitness world? So growing up, it was, I was in a very competitive family. Mm -hmm. We always played sports in the yard and all that. And, um, Starting at like age five or six, I was playing soccer on organized teams and basketball. And I did that until my senior year in high school. I tore my first ACL Oof. and playing soccer. Uh, in high school, I did soccer, track, and basketball. Was always, you know, above average athlete. Was always had that like explosiveness. Um, so then I tore that ACL meniscus and then I had four other surgeries on that knee almost like a year to the day for four years and so like at that point I thought I was pretty much finished doing anything athletic besides you know stupid machines at the gym and stuff like that like very like fitspo type of stuff mm -hmm. um and then I must have been I was 24 not doing anything insane maybe in the gym twice a week and I was at a bar, you know, getting a drink for my favorite bartender and the owner of the gym that I go to now was there and he was talking to his, his friend was with the bartender and, um, we started talking. I was always like fairly muscular and he was like asking me what I did and basically was saying like nothing. And then kind of told him my story with my knees and, uh, he's like, come to my gym. Like, 
start lifting. Like, I know you think that you aren't capable of it, but you are more than capable of doing things still. Mm-hmm. So I ended up not going at first because I thought he was like that typical dude, like at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually nine times out of 10, you would be right. Yeah. And then like, he hit me up and was, you know, like, come check it out. Like I run classes at this time, this and that. And I went in and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Like started squatting. We did, um, you know, trap bar deads, regular conventional deads. We actually did some cleans, which I was never very good at. <laughs> uh, and like bench and all that. And then I actually started playing flag football, which was probably not the smartest idea at the time. But I started playing flag football, and then I ended up tearing my right ACL in meniscus playing flag football. <laughs> so how competitive was the flag football? Because I played in leagues that were like, I thought, I'm like, okay, I'm going to destroy these guys because they're probably a bunch of 45-year-old dudes who are just doing it for Sunday. Then I got there, I'm like, what the fuck are these dudes doing? I'm like, these guys look like Division One athletes. And oh, it was it intense. Was it was like legit intense. <laughs> It was intense because we were semi-contact, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was the same thing. So they were like, okay, yeah. we're going to have you play on the line. I'm like, you're going to line? Like, there's an offensive and defensive line in flag football? I'm like, since when? And then I looked at them play. I'm like, oh, they're actually, you're you're doing a lot of hand fighting. Like, when you're doing, it was a cool because I was like, we're just going to throw a ball around. But it was Yeah, intense. I thought it was just going to be like almost like two-hand touch type of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? And <laughs> It was like we could block as long as we didn't use our forearms. Like mm-hmm. it was legal, and I loved it because I could be a little physical again. Like I'm, I kind of lost my identity after I stopped playing soccer and stuff. Because like I always identified as an athlete, mm-hmm. and then and it always came very natural and easy to me. And then like all of a sudden, like I had nothing. <laughs> but um, so I tore my second ACL and. I, at that point, I was, like, at my, like, lowest of lows mentally, and it was just, like, shit, like, I'm just not meant to do anything athletic anymore, I just need to give up on this, like, it's not worth, you know, six months of rehab type of thing, mm-hmm. and then I, like, just didn't show back up at the gym, like, ghosted everybody, was just done with it, and my gym owner kept calling me, being like, get back in, like, I broke my back, and I came back, like, you can come back from this, and I got back in, and ended up you know, getting stronger than I ever was. And then when we went to expand the gym, he got into strongman stuff. Mm-hmm. So before powerlifting, I did strongman for about six months. And during strongman, like, I did something to my bicep doing stones. Yeah, that's a, that's then, a common one. And, like, for me, I am not built for strongman. Like, loading stuff, I'm only, I'm five feet. Like, and that's a generous five foot <laughs> mark. <laughs> so when they're loading stuff to 42 inches, like 48 inches type of thing, or 52 even, like I can't lift a 185 pound stone above my head basically. So, um, but what, why I really stopped doing strongman was I did something to my back, deadlifting off a 16 inch pick. I heard a pop and it was one of the worst pains of my life. Like, I crawled behind the kegs and just, like, sat there so no one could see me. And at that point, I was like, all right, if I'm going to continue with strength stuff, it needs to be more controlled. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of found powerlifting. So what was the, uh, was the the back injury diagnosed at all? What what was it? (laughs) 
Uh, it wasn't diagnosed. It was most likely something muscular. Okay. Like I had some burning down my legs. I like was just like bent over for like a good two weeks and I just kind of rehabbed it, stretched it out, mm-hmm. did, you know, heat and ice and ibuprofen and that kind of thing. Okay. All right. So, th- so then with powerlifting, so then where, because you're, you're talking about just your high level of competitiveness and then your love of sports. And so then where did you get introduced into competitive powerlifting? So we had a few powerlifters at the gym at the time. And, um, after I got hurt, this one guy was like, Hey, trial powerlifting, like I'll help you out. And so I got involved through him and he was actually my first coach. And so I hurt myself in April by July, I was doing my first competition. Mm-hmm. So, and that was up in, uh, way up in Vermont. <laughs> okay. So what, so then what year would that have been? 2017. 2017. All right. So then at what point did you start really getting deeper into it? Was it probably, was it your first nationals meet? Was it the Arnold? What was the, like the, the moment of you just diving deep into the sport? It was after the first meet. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. I did. I went. I think seven for nine. I ended up breaking the deadlift record that day for the state, and I was just all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I did regionals a couple months after that, and then nationals. So I think regionals was in August. Nationals was in October. Nice. So it was very quick turnaround for three meets. <laughs> so so then so when you did nationals because. 2018 was your first nationals or 17 2017 because i know the sport has is, is progressing every year as far as what nationals is oh it's crazy so then like when you competed at those high level uh meets how did it compare to the other sports that you've done in your you know lifetime but was it the same feeling was it elevated was it um you know was it, or was you know the sport the competitive part the team sport part more uh, competitive, like what, what was your, uh, reaction to it? Oh, it was much more elevated. And I think part of that was, is like, I got good, like pretty quick with powerlifting mm-hmm. and I almost felt like an imposter because like, I, you know, I, I felt like I wasn't in it long enough to be as good as I was. Mm-hmm. So, and I like, it's funny cause my first Arnold was a 2018 Arnold. And I originally got invited to the raw challenge and then they gave me the invite to the pro American. And I honestly thought they made a mistake. It's like, well, I don't know why I'm here. Like there must be, uh, like, they must've just clicked the wrong email address or something like that. There has to be a mistake. And Susie Hartwick Gary, I like saw how nervous I was like walking into the warm up room and stuff. And she like took me aside and had a pep talk. She's like, you're here for a reason. Like, you got invited. You earned your spot. Like, you need to stop thinking, like, that you're not good enough mm-hmm. because you're here. Like, so I'm lucky to have people like that that reach out to me and, like, especially early on, be like, no, like, you're supposed to be here. You're capable of this. Like, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then what, what – so at one point, because you said you felt like an imposter. Was there a point where you felt like you arrived in the sport? Was it that particular meet or is it some other event that made you feel like, yeah, I belong here? Because I had the, I had that same feeling when I did USAPL meets. It was actually this year at nationals. <laughs> like, yeah, 
like a lot of it's just like a confidence thing but like like i said i'm lucky to have made these connections to the sport through the last few Mm -hmm. years that like i like it they i've had people help change my mindset when it comes to things Mm -hmm. because it's like the first time in my life honestly that i wasn't confident doing something athletic that's oh. yeah, that's pretty crazy because you have had a national championship under your belt and won the pro American. So like, yeah, the and the progress is still there. Like that, it's still progressively getting better for you. Oh, we're gonna build brick by brick. <laughs> yeah, and like that's such an interesting thing that I think you're not the first person to come on Two Highlights and say they felt like an imposter in the sport. Um, we had a few other people, and like. It was the same thing, very similar to me, not when I did powerlifting, but when I did USAPL meets. Because I started off in AAPF, like local meets around my area, and once I got into the USAPL, did my first USAPL meet, I had this feeling like, I don't, probably not good enough, like, with these guys. Like, these guys are incredible. Like, I don't think I'm that good. Well, that was my thing, too. Like, Jen Milliken to me is like the Michael Jordan of female powerlifting. Like she's the goat in my eyes. Like, and you know, my first nationals, I'm standing next to her wait, waiting to get weighed in. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, this, this is like, like how am I, I have no right to be on the same platform as this amazing athlete right now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like one of the most like beautiful things I think about, powerlifting is like if you can get to nationals and especially if you can get like on prime time like you're competing with the greats mm-hmm. and it, it's like you can't do that with other sports yeah oh yeah for sure and that i mean i mean it is showing that it is progressing to that professional sports atmosphere that we're trying to get it into it's like we there is a stage now where you can compete with the best and it feels like the people who are getting into the sport know that that's a possibility for them Oh, yeah, and the production that USAPL did last time with Nationals was incredible. Yeah, and that was my first Nationals, was 2019, and it was, so I, I've been competing in 2000, since 2016, and then I got into the USAPL in 2018. So, oh, okay. yeah, and there was this, the, the, the imposter thing was because, you know, I know how USAPL lifters can be, and I remember, <laughs> like, with the APF meets that I did, um, I, squat depth was never an issue for me. Like it was very clear that it was a very deep squat. Um, bench press, I, I would, I would be the first to admit that they're very quick in the APF and WPC with like their press commands, but then it was the deadlift, which is like my best lift. And yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember like post getting posted on, you know, social media and like posting myself and like, you know, I hit a 722 deadlift in England and then I just remember hitting it feeling good about myself, but then seeing the thing, like, I wonder what he could do on a stiff bar. And I was like, and, and really that, but that to me was like, you know what, if I'm going to consider myself, you know, a competitive athlete, I got to compete with the best athletes. And that's what what I tell people too, is like, if you're going to go into powerlifting and you're natty, like USAPL is the gold standard. Yeah. Oh yeah. You might as well just go for it. I, I try, it's like one of those things that I don't know how I should word it to people because there are certain people that I talk to who just want to powerlift for the sake of powerlifting and just to do something, just to do something and they have no aspirations of going to raw nationals or something. They just want to do that, which I'm like, okay, in that case, do That's whatever fine. you want. And whatever, in that case, you 
do whatever you want. But if you are really competitive and a raw tested lifter, I like I highly suggest you don't even do another federation. You just start off in the USAPL because you don't have to do the whole learning. Yeah, you don't have to relearn the sport again. Right. Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. Because people, like, I I don't think I had to, because I always, like, lifted with a pretty strong standard. But, and also some of the things that was the change was actually for better, because in APF they use a 65-pound squat bar, not a 55-pound one, a 65-pound one. So I'm like, oh, this 45-pound one's awesome. Like, I love this thing. Because <laughs> um, that one just is stupid and awkward and weird, not built for, like, anyone, anyone who's not multiply, and then anyone who's under the weight of like 200 pounds like if you're under 200 pounds that thing's way too big for your back um but the deadlift bar i guess was the big thing that i had to get out of and you know train with the stiff bar more consistently and there was a noticeable change in my pull but that was that was that moment where i felt like i arrived too is when i was able to pull over 700 with the stiff bar and then like you know certain usapl lifters dming me and be like dude that was fucking amazing it's like like that is an incredible deadlift i'm like oh Thanks. I can't wait to see you at Nationals. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, all right. The, the people who I like, who I saw were like, oh, I wonder what he could do in the USAPL. Don't know if he'll be able to deadlift that way with a SIF bar. We're now like congratulating me. And it's like, you're going to do great at Nationals. I'm like, all right, sweet. Like this is, I at least I'm in the same ballpark as these dudes now, not necessarily an outsider looking in. Right. And it's funny because, I mean, I've only used a SIF bar like two or three times now. And one of them was for the charity event. I hate using the uh, the deadlift bar. It is a, it totally changes my style. I <laughs> I'm almost I almost got to a point. Actually, I thought I was at that point where I'm like I think I just grew into liking the stiff bar more. Um, I mean, I haven't really maxed out on a deadlift bar in a long time, but I recently yeah the I actually did a charity event on Saturday. Um, so this is airing on Wednesday. So on last Saturday, I did a charity event where we lifted with a deadlift bar. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, hopefully I'll be able to pull something nice today because I'm like, this feels weird and foreign to me. But then there was like this little moment where I'm like, oh, now I remember how to do it. It's like riding a bike. Because <laughs> like, I remember like getting like, oh, you got to lock out your knees just a fraction quicker. And then, you know, and then the lockup is a whole lot easier. Then it's like, shit, I could have probably pulled over 750 today if I really wanted to with this deadlift bar. I'm like, I forgot how much I loved it. <laughs> I'm like, it was during, it was during my second attempt. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, this is, I'm like, I remember, it's like riding a bike again. Like, I remember how, how to deadlift at this stupid thing now, but, um, awesome. yeah. but yeah, there's, I, I guess there's, I, I think that would be the case with a lot of athletes going into certain, just a, a step up from competition and having that, you know, that feeling of them being an imposter. I know. I know if you watch like high level athletes like Tom Brady, and Michael Jordan, they like so many interviews. They have like supreme confidence, and that's probably why they're the person. But I'm always interested in like, how about the third best player on the Bulls at that time, or, like the fourth right. best player? I'm like, that's the guy I want to hear from. Like as far as like his confidence, and because that's what most that's what most people are. It's like and they're not Michael Jordan. They're like the fourth player on the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. So it's like what, and like a lot of the athletes say the same thing with like their confidence of shot when they go out from the minors to the majors, and that's why I think a lot of people in the USAPL feel like, or they're just you know so just acclimated to powerlifting that it's not really that big of a deal for them, or it's like oh USAPL is all they know. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's definitely all a mindset thing too. Mm-hmm. Like I am as confident as ever, always have been in the gym, but it's just like you're doing it in front of so many people, and then there's so many people watching online. And like I don't know if you're ever like me, like I'm always afraid to disappoint people. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I like I at one point, Eric, my coach, like had to come up to me and be like, Chrissy, you can never disappoint me. And that was like a game changer for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I might have said this on a past podcast where it's like you put this unnecessary amount of pressure on yourself. like Or like lifters do. I'm not saying you and specifically. I'm just saying oh, a do. lot of, yeah, I'm saying a lot of people. <laughs> they put an unnecessary pressure on themselves. And I think it's like a mixture between them competing, um, getting a coach, because that is one thing where I'm like, if I have a bad training day, like I feel like I'm letting my coach down. Yep. Which is bizarre. And when you really come to think of it, it's bizarre to think that because, like, no, my goal is to help you get out of these bad training days. Like, you, like this is why you hired me is to make sure uh, we can fix whatever problems you're going through. But then it feels like I'm disappointing them. Then when you mix, like, social media in, it's like, okay, you're considered now a good powerlifter. You have to consistently perform in this good standard. But... If, say, you know, you have a bad meet, people don't care. No, like, really, people don't care. Like, and then guess what? If you have a, and this is, I guess, the, uh, the, the, the con to this, when you have a good meet, people will care, but they'll forget about it in about three days. Yep. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it, and then you'll forget about it, too. Like, you, you build this, like, this unnecessary amount of anxiety on yourself, and then just when, like, you hit your goal, you enjoy it for like a second and then it's like okay we gotta gotta back, oh, get back I in the rode training that, i rode that went out for like a month <laughs> yeah i mean i if it was if i won usapl raw nationals i would too <laughs> like i'll show you something we're gonna have to cut this out but i'm gonna uh, show you in general <laughs> i'll actually pause it friends made me this after i won <laughs> <laughs> oh, this isn't a video podcast, but that's freaking hilarious. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. You have good friends. I so do. for those you can't see, it's a cardboard cutout of Chrissy flexing, and it's like, it's not life-size, which it should be. That's like the ne- When no. you win Worlds, make sure to get a life-size one. So whenever I'm like doing Zooms and stuff and I have to take like a second, I just put it on. I was like, maybe Chrissy will be with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And, well, I guess, yeah, if I won Raw Nationals, I think I would be a, a, a different as far as, like, how I handle a win. But I, I use the example a lot at the Arnold, because the Arnold was my best meet. Um, it was, like, I put in a total that, you know, got me into a solid ranking. You know, we broke an American record. Everything felt good. But then, like, once Tuesday hit, it was gone. Like, uh, like not even the feeling was gone. It was like, okay, the sport moves on. And you're, and, and it's going to move and you got to move on with it. Like you can't, you can't sit there and dwell on it and like be like that happy about it. Um, which is a strange feeling, but, but even in that meet was like, when I was going to the Arnold, it's like, I don't want to let anyone down. Like we said, we're going to pull 750. I got this coach. I have no excuses anymore. We got to do it. So like, it was the anxiety of that. Then we fucking killed it. And then the, the, the joy doesn't last that long. It's it's crazy, and then if if I would have went five for nine, people would have been like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> it, was, it was like, "Dude, we're not gonna make fun it's of so you." So true. 
It's like we're not. It's like we're and not going to isolate you from the sport. Like you're fine. Just go and do the other one. And the general public doesn't care, anyways, right? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean, I well, I always say like it's like living a double life for me, because <laughs> I go to where I am in education, so I go to work and I try. I never talk about it. I try to not talk about it. But then people ask like, so do you like? play sports or are you a former athlete <laughs> then like i'm like yeah i lift weights and i'm like oh okay so like what do you do body and i just don't want him to think i do bodybuilding definitely because i just don't <laughs> want him like to think that i'm like um I, i'm like i'm a, I'm a power lifter and then like the conversation so like they keep on asking questions I'm like oh please stop because it's never going to register with you <laughs> like it's like so what can you lift like what do you what yes. do you mean what can i lift <laughs> and it's it's like this weird thing because like they really don't know like on the weekend sometimes they, they just travel for a meet and then come back on that monday like nationals for example because it was in lombard um and i'm I, I live really close to lombard i went to work the next day after i competed Ooh. and like and like it was it was like i competed thursday took a day off didn't tell them why i took a day off took a day off then friday i was back at work and then like even after work i went into like the check-in and i was you know, dress like a teacher at check-ins. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but it was like, it's like, I, you know, even if you tell people, like, yeah, I lifted 750 pounds, they'd be like, oh my god, that's impressive. Then they're like, all right, well, I'm like, I I already forgot about it, because it's not that important to my life, (laughs) so. (laughs) So let's actually talk about 2019, um, because you had a terrific performance where you won uh, a national championship, which is huge. Um, I think, I, I would some sometimes qualify a raw nationals victory higher than an IPF worlds victory, uh, depending on how who you talk to and what your weight class is. Um, it's it's a Shark Tank. It's a real difficult competition to deal with because there's a lot of glam going on. There's a lot of distractions going around raw nationals, and for anyone to really take that and win is a huge accomplishment. So walk me through that performance. Like, what was the what was the feeling? Was there and was there a point where it's like, oh shit, I'm gonna win this thing? Walking into the warm up room, oh, even like so at weigh ins, you know, weighing in and everything, and like all of a sudden I got super tired. So I actually, my best friend comes with me to every competition, and I go, hey, text Eric, see if it's okay if I take a quick nap. And so I, you know, took all my supplements after I weighed in. She texted him, ended up taking like a 45 minute nap, which was probably the best thing I could have done because mm-hmm. the fact that I was even able to nap is incredible because I was so nervous beforehand, but like, it just let me mellow out a little bit. And then, um, walking into the warm up room within like 10 minutes of being there, it wasn't even like suited up or anything. Frank Sinatra comes on and that's just like, uh, what was it? I think it was either, it was fly me to the moon. Nice. <laughs> and, and like that just reminds me of my childhood because we always had Sinatra playing and it calmed me down. It was just like a series of events that were just like chilling me out. Mm-hmm. And then um, I feed a lot off of energy and I was lucky enough to share my warm up platform with Sam Calhoun and Matt Gary. So like, and they are very type A, like we're doing this at this time, you know, there's no craziness going on. So I was lucky enough to have her where, you know, I was feeding off of her. Jen Milliken was on my other side and like me and Jen are pretty good friends now. So like, I just felt like I had a team with me, Mm -hmm. even though like it was just me solo. And 
you know, warm-ups went pretty well. Everything was feeling good. Come for a squat. Squatted high. Got my reds. I knew I squatted high. I had the biggest smile on my face coming up because I was like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, you have one job. <laughs> and I freaked out a bit. And so I, you know, back went back, sitting down, and my poor best friend, she comes over and tries to give me a pep talk. But she's saying way too many words. And I just look at her and go, I love you to death, but you need to shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> You're getting me more anxious. And then um, a couple minutes later, Ben Escrow came over to me. And he was helping me with, like, my mental prep a bit. Like, trying to, like, make my nervous energy into excitement. Like, trying to trick myself leading up into the meet. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at me and goes, Chrissy, you create your own destiny here. And, like, that's all I needed to hear. And came out, hit my second squat, hit my third squat. And, like, after squats, I felt fantastic. I, like, mm-hmm. I knew nothing could stop me. I was confident. Like, my bench was moving really well in prep leading up to Nats. And I knew I had at least 215, 220 in me. And, you know, those went really smooth. And then I, and I'm, over the years, I've discovered I can't look at the score sheet at all. I, can, I don't want to know what other people are doing, what mm-hmm. other people are hitting. I, like, literally one of the reasons why I signed on with TSA and Eric was because I know he is a master at strategy. I don't need to worry about anything. Like, he's going to put on the bar what I need. I just have one job, and it's to lift it. Like, just tell me when to eat, tell me when to drink my water, and tell me when it's time for me to get chalk on my hands and go. Mm-hmm. And so when Dad's came around, he came up to me and said, all right, we're in good shape. Let's just hit these and let's, let's be done. Like, we got this. And, you know, first dead went up easy. Second dead, uh, I think I hit like 418. And it pretty much clinched it. And, it, and then my last deadlift, he's like, all right, you get this. You definitely win. You need to hit this. If I hit it, and it was like the best feeling. I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Like, the, the feeling of all the sacrifice that we make for the sport, like for literally of nine minutes of lifting is a little insane. If you think about it, Oh yeah. like, you know, between the, if you die, like dieting, like not drinking alcohol, really like time we spend like two to three hours in the gym, like five days a week, like that's for nine minutes mm-hmm. and for it all to finally come together. And like, my biggest thing for me in the past is I just haven't been able to execute me yet. Mm. It's one of those things where like I let my nerves get to me and I let them get the best of me. And this time I was able to turn it around and for everything, like for me to miss my first squat and then hit all eight lifts after that was huge for me. Oh yeah. You know, like I could have very well gone to like old Chrissy as I call it and just shut down and you know, been pissed off the rest of the night mm-hmm. yeah mi- uh, for missing a first squat is i'm assuming because it's never happened to me but assuming it's a jarring experience like oh yeah like especially at like nationals and like so and i usually tell people like after squats this is the same for me after squats i'm pretty calm that's what i mean i'm very nervous during squats because i'm always afraid i'm gonna hurt myself it's like i'm I, I think i'm like i'm always good on depth like i'm just afraid something's gonna happen because if I'm going to get hurt, like, squats is, like, the most dangerous lift, really. 
Like you got to balance the weight. You got to you got to stay tight. You get a little bit loose. Like it could you know fuck up your entire day. But after squats, like it's very similar. You know things start mellowing a lot, uh, mellowing out a little bit, and you know the day gets easier. But it, it, it does add ex- uh, an extra sense of anxiety when you do miss your first, especially on depth, because it's like okay, what's gonna happen my second or third? Do I have to get much lower than I thought? But if you knew you got high. Are you your high? Then it's it's easier fixed. It's easier to fix. Well, the thing that sucks too. That's the first time I ever missed a squat on depth. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just well, like shit. <laughs> usually, and usually it happens at either raw nationals or IPF worlds. Like yeah, people yeah. with who I've seen who have pretty good squat depth or consistent with squat depth. When I see them miss on depth, it's at the bigger meets, especially like the prime time or the IPF worlds stage. It's because. I don't know. It could, I, I, I really don't know. Um, hopefully I can get into prime time eventually, but like it was, I, I think it, it kind of be a mixture of nerves. The dr- judges are a little bit more strict, a combination of the two. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, um, I, I see that happen a lot more. Like I think like Marissa Inda at IPF yes. world, she went three for nine. And like, I was like, what the heck? Like, I've never, I like Seeing her throughout her career, I don't see her missing depth a whole lot on squats, and she did. She was missing, like so. It happens. It happens to high level lifters more often than not. And that's one of the things that I uh, focused on during quarantine was I was make sure to start sinking everything in training, and you know, not giving myself an excuse anymore <laughs> to miss depth on anything. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about a little beginning of the show. You win. Raw Nationals, unfortunately, you know, this 2020 sucks. So the the possibility of competing at IPF World still might be there, but it's obviously not in the time frame that you would want it to be. It's already passed and gone. Um, nationals is already passed and gone, the time we're supposed to have Nationals. So what's your plans going forward? Is there... Are you and um, Eric keeping your ear to the ground, seeing what happens as far as like future meets go, as far as the Arnold, or like, okay, we got to get a meet in just to stay platform fresh so we can have a chance to compete? Or is it like you're in a weird spot? It's like, well, we don't want to ever jeopardize in case Worlds does happen. What what our strategy is going to be for that? So what what's what's the uh, the plan for you? So we're pretty much kind of. hoping more news comes out about the planning on stuff going forward for 2021 but i mean i haven't competed in a full power meet since last nationals Mm -hmm. so i'm looking to compete in something in the spring either way um just to keep fresh and all that and i feel like my training has gotten a lot better and so i kind of want to see what happens in the platform too Mm -hmm. numbers wise so We'll see what happens, but it's just it's still kind of up in the air a little bit. Yeah. Have, have you um, recently heard of the scenario that may happen where it's top 10 with the Arnold, or is that something that... Uh, yeah, all so I, I, heard about, yeah, all I heard about the Arnold was that it was going to be probably in June next year. Yeah. And so that's what I was hearing, hearing too, but I, I don't... Because I heard a plan there being in place where it's going to be top 10 lifters in each weight class, and that's where you get that IPF World qualifying spot is through the Arnold in the top 10, but then it's like, it, but it turns into, it's like, okay, then when do you compete for that? It's like, then you got to put in a qualifying total. When do you, do you get an automatic qualifying bid? So yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that, well, that, but that, but all that is, but all this stuff is speculatory. 
You know what I mean? It's like, it's, because I'm like, I don't even, because me and Joe talk about it, of course, and it's like what we're going to do, and regardless, we have to compete in the spring, because that's our season. It's like, we competed in the fall, we had Midwest primetime, we did that in place of nationals. Spring was going to be the next meet regardless. Um, Yeah, I was... You know, I, I did great at Midwest primetime, but there was no way if Nationals did happen, I was going to be an IPF Worlds team. So, we're going to do the Arnold. That's obvious. Arnold in March is canned. Yeah. So, got to do the spring. So, competing in the spring and then a meet in the summer, that would be, like, the Arnold, but, like, it would be different for, you know, cer- certain lifters. Like, as far as yeah. that, like, qualifying point. The uncertainty is killing me. <laughs> um, I just want to hear what's going to happen. Yeah. It's hard to plan if you, like, because you don't want to do something in, like, March or, like, early April if you have to compete at the Arnold's or something like, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's all, it's all timing. So. Yep. It's a waiting game. Yeah, basically. for sure. So I like asking this to, for a lot of, uh, to a lot of lifters who come on the show. What is one thing you change about the sport of powerlifting? And this is a broad, broad question because you can take this in so many different ways. You could do a rule change, you could do a culture change, an atmosphere change, like. But someone always says something different. You know what I mean? But they always have something they want to change in the sport. But so, what would that be for uh, Chrissy? Um. Less federations mm. and more, um, like, uh, general rules, like, in terms of, like, how long your weigh-ins are and stuff like that. Because there's a lot of smaller federations that do, like, the 24-hour weigh-in, and all of a sudden you have, you know, 10 different, like, world record holders for the same weight class. And I would like if it was more, a little more compressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, th- so then what's your, what's your opinions on those, uh, the 24-hour weigh-ins. Do you think it should be uniform or it's same-day weigh-ins, or...? I think two-hour weigh-ins are the way to go. We all know you can gain, like, 15, 20 pounds, depending on, you know, your body type in 24 hours. I've seen a deadlift strongman that they gain, like, 30 pounds in oh. 24 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, even in powerlifting. I mean, I think with the current U.S. Open in 20... I think it was 18? Mariana Gasparin, like, her weight... The, the cut she had was insane, like incredible. It oh, was yeah. it was a ridiculous cut. Like I, I, at a point where like people were questioning the health, you know, like precau- uh, the, the the health issues that she might go through, like cutting that much weight. But it, it does kind of take a piss out of the performance when you know there is a big weight cut. That is one of my takes that I feel like is the most logical, but doesn't get as much support as some of my other like opinions. Like, cause that's something that I I've ranted about, and I've had these conversations with you know good powerlifters, and I have a lot of friends in the USPA where it's twenty four hour weigh ins for them, and they always tell me the same shit. They always say, "Dude, if USAPL had twenty four hour weigh ins, imagine the numbers that Russell put up." I'm like, or, or <laughs> he can gain weight, and then put his numbers in at ninety three. And make those numbers incredible. I'm like, what? Why would you? I'm like, if you know, if, if you know exactly what the weight cut is doing, how is that more impressive? Well, that's my thing, and it's like we like we all know what a few pounds could even do to your bench press. Yeah, and like in two hours, you can't gain more than a few pounds. Yeah, and like 
especially with other feds and stuff, you see them getting IVs and everything else. Like, it went, teach their own. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm not knocking them. Yeah. But, like... Well, yeah, it, that's their yeah. that's their standard. If, if this is their standard, that's their standard. I'm just like, yeah. the, the logic behind it to me and the arguments for it just simply don't make sense. Right. It's... it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the reason why that, that's the reason why it's a standard though is because people have done it, like because like okay, here's what the numbers are set, and it's because this person was 198 pounds and they compete at 181, like yeah, okay, well it's like now the numbers are skewed at that weight class, but if the standard was set where you put those numbers at 198, chances are you'd be top three in 198 too. Exactly. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get more steam, like, for people to agree with me on that one, but continue. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it just doesn't seem, it just, it's just very, like you said, it's just very skewed to me, like, you are up a weight class at that point. Mm-hmm. Why put yourself through the, all that abuse to, you know, like, and that comes from me, too, where I'm, I never cut that much to yeah. make 57s, so, like, it's, I feel like my numbers are true to my, my weight class. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I personally wouldn't be, I'm going to sound like a jerk, too proud to be like, oh, I did this at this weight class. But yeah, I that day of, I actually weighed 15 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think John Hack said, I can't wait to weigh in at 181 pounds for two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he and he and he has a good sense of humor about that stuff. But like, I I use this uh, I use this like conversation often, where like someone comes up to me and is like, "Dude, can you believe 181 pound guys are now deadlifting uh, like this weight?" I'm like, "I can believe a 200 pound guy is deadlifting <laughs> that weight because that's what they are." I'm like, I, I I get I get the weight cut part, but if you're if you're be able to recomp that much and then put in the same way it's like you're literally you're i'm not saying anything not factual you are 200 pounds when you are deadlifting that weight now i'm fully con- like actually i think yang su ren could be the guy who actually weighs consistently 181 pounds and deadlifts like something stupid like something crazy, crazy dumb like because he's he's uh, i'm not saying that it's like impossible for that to happen just saying, no, I literally can't believe it because it's not true. Like, it's not true what you're saying. Like, when I compete, and I, when I, because I'm, I'm very, I'm small for my weight class. So when I compete, I am under 183 pounds. I'm always under 100. And that's not from, like, me trying to do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be under 183 pounds. We're trying to get to 183 pounds. But you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> lucky or unlucky, because... The, the correlation between the heavy guys and your total is much higher. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, okay, like, do we take out the little, the little, uh, the ego boost I get? Like being like, well, I'm actually 183 pounds when I'm lifting that as opposed to me getting beat by like 50 kilos by the top guy. I think I would take the latter. <laughs> I think I'll take the 50 kilos if I had to weigh, weigh in 190 pounds. But like, but in the USAPL, it's more accurate when you see it, like, when Russ is setting his records, and he's doing his thing at 83, he's probably 85, 86 kilos on the day if he, you know, hydrates well or whatever, you know, all the shit, actually really, the shit I don't know about, because I have no idea what happens on weight cuts, I've never even come close to one, but he is close to 183 pounds. Yeah. 
he he's not he's definitely not 200 pounds when he's competing that day and it has an effect on him like you know his training numbers are going to be a little different and i do agree it's like it's a it's something i do feel strongly on but i don't think i could like really get the mass support from powerlifters for some for some reason or the other i just can't do it (laughs) i'm trying it's one of those things that like people are just kind of setting their ways on it too yeah yeah yeah, for sure. And the I, and then they use the U, UFC and boxing analogies to me. It's like, well, they do a I UFC and boxing. Like, they're about to fucking fight someone. Don't give me that example. They're about to, <laughs> like, I look for any advantage I can get. They're literally in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're about to they're about to commit legal assault on each other. Like don't like don't compare the two. It's like you guys are just about to lift weights. Like that's that's it. And then yeah. and then when you go into coefficient scores and Wilkes points. Like in USPA meets where it's like, I know people who cut, they're at 165 pounds and they cut to like 150 pounds or like 160 pounds because that's beneficial to them because it helps their Wilkes at the end for like best overall, which a lot of these meets give out prizes for best overall. And it's like, oh my God, how ridiculous is that? It's like, (laughs) like you're, you're under the weight class and you're still cutting to be more under the weight class. Like, <laughs> so true. It's it's yeah, and and and, be, and they wouldn't do that if it was USAPL because there was no way to do that. Like you, yeah. you have no chance, and you will just get your ass kicked in performance. But you have the opportunity to do it in the USPA and all the other feds who have twenty four hour weigh in. So I don't know. It's something that no matter like what arguments presented with me, I feel like I debunk it pretty easily. But aside from safety, but then it causes more people to cut weight. So it's unsafe. Oh, it's hundred percent unsafe. <laughs> but but they use that like in boxing where it's like they want the safety bec- to make a twenty four hour weigh in, so they right. aren't ne- so they don't fight on the same day that they do the weight cut. But then I'm like, wait, aren't you promoting at that point bigger weight cuts where it's unhealthy still? Right. Like, there's always an <laughs> argument to the argument. Yeah. yeah it's and like it- again. We're not getting punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yep, true. Good thing. Good thing too. I'm the my favorite part about powerlifting is not people punching me in the face. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, occasionally, someone will slap your back unnecessarily, and it makes me rage. I but don't, I don't like it. Yeah, rage, rage in a bad way. Not like I'm about to lift this yep. weight off the floor. Like, don't ever slap me when I'm not expecting it. Yeah, you're just distracting me. I don't like. <laughs> yeah. So what's one thing about the sport that you love? Like the reason why you continue to do what you're doing? Uh, over the years, I've fallen in love with the process. Mm-hmm. I've fall like really focusing on the little stuff and how the little things, even like, you know, establishing a better pickup can totally change your lifts. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have the same programming, um, uh, what you call it? Uh, not platform. Uh, outline and stuff, right? So, like, we have like a year, and we can look back and we can see like how we've progressed in every single lift, every single variation. And as monotonous as it is, like, I like that kind of organization, and I like seeing like progress as it's being made. How I'm doing these little changes with could be as little as like getting an extra twenty minutes of sleep a night, mm-hmm. and how that it's affecting my training. Yeah, and um, and it's such a, it's benefited my life in so many different ways where, you know, 
being more intentional with doing things like it's just carrying over to everything and then again being able to compete with amazing athletes at the like at the very start and like being able to make these good friends that you see only a couple times a year mm-hmm. at big meets but like you keep in contact through social media or whatever it is and you might not have that like team aspect that you would with like soccer or basketball or something like that but everyone's going through similar adversities Mm -hmm. in training and at one point or another and you know they're more than happy to share like how they got through it and you know I talked to Jen Milligan a bunch during COVID during the quarantine because like I was like I said I was struggling and like we were both like you know bouncing like how we're doing better with it like what she was doing and like it's just having people having you know, these people that have been through it all that are multi-time world champions, world record holders that are like, are more than happy to like give you advice is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just, I've met some really, really good people through powerlifting. So. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you on both of those. Like going to Raw Nationals in 2019. And I know people listening to the show are probably sick of me talking about it because it was an experience I wasn't expecting. Like, and it just immediately sucks you in, and it is what you described. You don't see them very often. You don't see the people. But when I walked into check-ins, I immediately saw all the people I associate with on social media and have, like, actual conversations with. And we're, it's like, we built a friendship on social media, but then, like, walking in and seeing literally all of them is crazy. It's like, you know, you have a realization that you know more people than you thought. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, you know, you can expect – some of these great athletes, great lifters to be like a little stuck up or, Mm -hmm. you know, just not the nicest people in the world. And I have yet to experience that. Like Mm -hmm. everyone is just super nice, super like, it's just, it's almost like you're seeing like your childhood friends for the first time in like six months type of thing. You know what I mean? It's just like, you don't skip a beat. Yeah. And like one of the things I love about nationals and Arnold and stuff is that like, I like it with the Arnold a little bit more because we all compete about the same time. But uh, we all hang out after. Yeah. Like, you compete, and then it's kind of like a big frat party, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. You know, everyone's, you know, we've all been, you know, restricted when it comes to, like, doing things and sacrificing. And it's like, all right, now it's time, it's time to let loose and have a couple of drinks type of thing. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that was an experience. I mean, the Arnold, I guess, was a little bit watered down due to, yeah. you know, so, I mean, actually, it really wasn't a whole lot of restrictions. But I had the same feeling. That was still, to me, when, you know, the canceled the expo part of the Arnold, which um, I talked about in the show, of course, and I talked about it at Lance and social media where I was actually kind of cool with it as far as like, okay, there's no spectators, but the only spectators I'm going to have is like really good power lifters. And that to me is like the best spectating audience. Like it it was, that was cool. But I had did talk to other people and like, yeah, but you kind of want to be a part of the, atmosphere of the Arnold in its full swing because that's a special atmosphere too and I totally agree with it I'm not like people I think people assumed I was looking down on people like hey you should not if you need spectators to compete you should get out of the sport or something like I wasn't having that stance I just thought it was cool that when I hit my deadlift like looking out the crowd it was all my like guys who I competed with before and guys who I've like really admire on social media and girls for that matter like well, and then, like, seeing them, like, smile and clapping for me, I'm like, that was cooler than just, like, a huge crowd of them trying right. to do, like, a whole, like, get a t-shirt or something or, like, you know, get the supplement. Like, 
whatever the Arnold consists of, because the Arnold, yeah. for those, it's like, it's all over the place as far as spectators. Oh, it's stuff. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like, the, the audience is cool, but like, you, you know, you're getting a lot of passer, pa- people passing by, as opposed to everyone there in that audience was there for powerlifting. And that was great. That was like a cool thing to me. But without the whole expo part, I got to see those people way more personally and like in depth where it's like we have nothing to do but just sit here and hang out it was so much easier when it came to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that's why yeah raw nationals is like is like that too because everyone's there for powerlifting it's right you're at a hotel and all the people at the hotel feels like are powerlifters yeah i mean i kind of liked the no spectators issue at the arnold but it was definitely like a different vibe Oh, yeah. Like, it is, like, totally crazy usually at the Arnold. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird doing check-ins. Like, because I remember going to check-ins and seeing this massive, massive Civic Center at, like, and I've been to the Arnold once, and then you realize how big it is, and you only realize how big it is because there's no one there. Yep. And I felt like I I was walking through with my scale, like, and no one was, like, seriously, no one was there and me just walking, like where do I go? Like, I don't know where, like, the crowd should be, would be taking me at this point. So I'm, like, walking, and one worker's, like, are you here for the uh, the Olympic weight? I'm, like, no, I'm uh, for USAPL. I was, like, oh, you want to go down here? And it was still, like, an empty space, and then at one point, it was just, like, all the powerlifters were, like, in this one little area. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. Like, it was a ghost town until, like, all the power was in this area. Then, like, the Olympic weightlifters were in, like, another area. And then there was always, like, a random bikini person walking, like, in their full... Because, like, competitions were apparently still going on. So, like, a person in their, like, tan bikini just, like, walking through with flowers. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm at the Arnold, but really... And then the normal Arnold is, like, you can't move. Oh, no. It's like your sardines. It's ridiculous. Like... If you get claustrophobic, the Arnold is not a place for you to go. <laughs> you gotta, there's a strategy going to the Arnold. I didn't know that strategy going in, because I just went in the Arnold, and I was like, alright, I'm just gonna walk around. And I was by myself. I was like a little kid, like, lost. And I was like, I was just like walking around, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, because I don't, I like, do I buy supplements or something? What happens? Like, do you get a free t-shirt or something? So I was like, walking around, and I'm like, I'm just gonna st- stay by the animal cage the entire time because i don't feel like and then if you 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 could get stuck in one place like if you see a crowd and walk you can just be like okay i no longer want to be here and then you just can't leave (laughs) yep you're done then then you're just watching the highland games like all right well looks like this is what i'm doing today i'm just gonna watch the highland games for 30 minutes because i can't walk out of here what happened to me when i was walking by the bang booth a couple years ago and all of a sudden i was like stuck in the bang booth and i was like what the hell is even happening here (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if they like if you just became a bang like ambassador because of that they just they just they just mistake you as a bang ambassador it's like here's a can like now do whatever those bang girls do (laughs) no (laughs) it's like it just accidental it's like what no i'm not no i'm not i'm not supposed to be here like i'm in vegas right now and i don't like it <laughs> yeah i remember the year that i went to the arnold that was the the butt of a lot of jokes was the bank booth yeah <laughs> because you just like you're you're just like walking and then you hear like edm like house music and you're like what the fuck and then you see like all these strobe lights and like people dancing like what the shit is happening <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're getting sprayed with bang and you don't even know where it's coming from <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was um 
that yeah the that the first experience of the Arnold was that was like my most vivid memory I guess the animal cage and that was well and then everyone making fun of it like every single person making fun of it and like all right well they're making money so I guess there's something to it yeah they must be doing something right here <laughs> yep. all right so. Now to segments. We are going to try something new. You are going to be... Ooh, San Pellegrino. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> way to be more stereotypical as I talk in my wine... As I talk in my wine cellar. I have espresso, too. That's espresso? Yeah. It's How much is shots. that? There's seven shots. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, there's no way that could be espresso. That's filled to the top of a clear glass. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, so I, I order, I, uh, I used to work briefly in my girlfriend's coffee shop and I remember someone ordered, um, a quadruple, a quad shot of espresso over ice. And that has been my drink now that I go anywhere. I'm like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could order four shots of espresso at Starbucks and coffee places and they'll actually give it to me because I thought that's oh. way too much espresso. <laughs> They always question me when I do it. <laughs> do you get seven? Yeah, because I like to yeah, that's have lot. it as a coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's heavy. Like four shots is pretty. Is is you're pushing it? Yeah, usually on Saturdays I work out in the mornings, and I uh, will usually have like five or six shots of espresso. Mm -hmm. Get to the gym and then dry scoop some pre workout. <laughs> I was about to, I was about to say I'm like is so because coffee used to be my uh pre-workout just like straight coffee um now shout out rivalus uh use promo code angelo 15 uh, um <laughs> shameless plug that's going to be at the beginning of the show anyways but yeah now i have pre-workout because you know it's you know, i could save some money on it but i was gonna say is espresso your pre-workout but no it isn't it's a lot of caffeine <laughs> i like one thing i could not live without in my life is caffeine <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. Me, okay. too. The days I don't have coffee, I feel like I'm hungover. Yeah, like, I get headaches. I sometimes start, like, sweating and get shit like it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's just caffeine withdrawals. It's like a... <laughs> the fucking Mormons are onto something there. They say caffeine's a sin. Yeah, I think it actually might be. I, people make fun of them for that. I'm like, yeah, you got, they might be onto something. We're definitely reliant on a, a, a stimulant. Yeah. <laughs> like all the, the entire country too. And we're not just talking about like th few people. The entire country of the United States of America is addicted to caffeine. It's a stimulant for them and they go through caffeine withdrawals. It's crazy. Aside from people in Utah apparently. At least I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we are going to try out uh, a new segment. You are going to be the first person to play this segment. So you're making two white lights history. Congratulations. Yes. Claps, claps for uh, Chrissy. So we're going to do white light, red light. I'm going to give you a topic or a word, and you're either going to white light it, it being good, staying apropos to powerlifting, and red light if you don't agree with it or you think it's bad. All right, so we're going to start off easy. USAPL. White light. <laughs> USPA. White light. <laughs> I, would, I would white light that too. IPF. White light. Right, sir, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to red light the IPF. <laughs> so many arguments have been said with, like, USAPL branching out from IPF, and I think, I don't know. I think um, there will be some 
definite positives to that as opposed to but I could respect I, I I could respect the white light because I think every single one of us wants to compete in IPF worlds at least once. Yeah. <laughs> Squat. White light. Bend. White light. <laughs> Deadlift. White light. <laughs> I'm curious to see some powerlifters. I would probably red light bench press, even though things have been going well for bench, but. Just me and Bench are finally like clicking all the time, mm-hmm. so like starting to love it. <laughs> okay, single ply, white light, white light. Have you done single ply before? I've only been in a bench shirt twice. How's one... how's that feeling? Um, it was fun. It just hurts too much. Like it's cool to have three hundred pounds in your hands mm-hmm. as like a hundred and like twenty eight pound girl, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But the amount of, like, bruising and stuff that, like, I wasn't even wearing a shirt that fit me, and it still bruised me up. But Mm -hmm. the way I used to bench, I kind of tucked my elbows more, so I almost brought it down anyways, like I was in a shirt. So I was kind of used to that motion. Um, But it's not for me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but I would still probably white light it, too. I think single ply, there's, there's elements to it that are pretty awesome. And it's like a whole different sport. Like yeah. I respect people that do it. Like you, it's totally different than doing stuff raw. Okay. Yeah. How about multiply? That's a red. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I would have to read. I would have to read that too. It's like you got a single ply. Why don't? Why double up on the plies? <laughs> exactly. Why all the paper? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like why? Why? Yeah. Why go crazy with it? Like it's it's fine with the one that we have. Like stop going crazy with it, but. Whatever. There's a small population that think it's awesome. Yeah. Bang energy drinks. Red. Is it through your experience at the Arnold, or is it just because you think they suck? Um. I I am very particular when it comes to stuff that I'm supplementing myself with, mm. and I just don't totally trust it. Oh, okay. I just it's think it tastes like me. yeah. I just think it tastes like ass. Oh, it does. It t- reminds me of, do you remember when Four Locals were a thing? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in the wine Loco. cellar right now that, um, <laughs> a little, little stupid story time that's probably way unnecessary. So, um, like when I was a kid, my parent, my mom and brother went out to a baseball tournament in Delaware and my sister went out for her 21st birthday. So I had the house to myself. So, as a 16-year-old does, I invited my friends over, and there was, you know, they bought alcohol. So, got away with it, you know, no one ever found out until two years later. I hid all the cans and bottles in my wine cellar and crawl space, and my, <laughs> and my uncle came down, and he bought up this whole thing of, you know, these cans, <laughs> and then he went to my mom's like, did Angela have a party? And she's like, no. And granted, she wasn't wrong. I was not having a party at the time. Like, this is two years ago. <laughs> then he's like, what the fuck? And then he just goes, what the fuck is this? And he pulls out Four Locos. Like, is it an energy drink? And then and then I hear him say, he's like, what's Four Loco? And I was in my study. I was in my study room, like, like typing. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm in college now, so... You know, whatever. I don't give a shit. 
So then my mom, like in a weird, I don't, I just think she didn't want to deal with it. Like, oh, it was probably Aldo, which is my brother. It's like, oh, he, oh, like it was probably Aldo. He probably had a party like a long time ago, and you know, he never cleaned up after himself. I'm like, all right, I'm off, I'm off to scot free. <laughs> but I just remember going like, what the fuck is four loco? And like knowing that how irresponsible it was that people were drinking four locos when they were sixteen, because that could definitely kill you. Oh yeah. Like. <laughs> The mix of stimulants and depressants was a terrible one. Oh, God, I hated those so much. I remember taking a sip of it. I'm like, can you just give me regular alcohol, guys? Like, please. I'd rather drink just Jack Daniels out of the bottle than, at 16 years old, than that energy drink. Oh, jeez. They were so bad. But that's what I think of when I think of Banks. It's like the same flavoring to me. Well, when Heather Connor came on the show, she was drinking a Bang... I made fun of her because she looked like an IG influencer because she was wearing a Get Better. She was wearing a Get Better Today shirt and drinking like a bang <laughs> birthday cake drink. <laughs> and I was like, who in their right mind was like, hey, you know what we should do? Carbonate birthday cakes. Let's do that. That's so gross. I'm like, who, I'm like, where did that pass through the marketing thing where it's like, you know what? We should do that. Like everyone has been like, man, you know what's great about cake? Or, like, you know what the flaw about cake is? It's not carbonated yet. You have to chew it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like that's disgusting to me. But, yeah, I've I made fun of Bang, like, in the early stages of this episode. I remember, like, this podcast because I hated them so much. Yeah. But, Monolift. Red. Is that the USAPL elitist talking, or... You might as well walk it out. Like, that's part of the squad is having to walk it out. Is it? <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> is it part of a squat? Dude, all right, so if I tell you right now, get up, do an air squat for me, are you going to walk two steps back? I will just to prove a point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just let you do it so you wouldn't have done that. So, um, But, I don't know. I... I guess it's me being a little bit of an elitist. <laughs> That's what I think. I think, like, it's... We just don't want to get... I'm like, if a monolith existed, if if Rogue or Ghost can make a combo rack with a monolith involved, I'm all for that. I mean, I think they have their place, especially if you're wearing equipped. Yeah, I think they... I, I, I mean, I just don't see the reason why raw people would use a monolith, but you could still do it, you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't... I'm not saying, like, raw lifters should definitely walk out their... Or, like, raw lifters um, shouldn't walk out their squats. Like, no. No one has a problem in the USAPL with walkouts. Like, yeah. it's a, it's not a technique you need to learn. You have to learn technique with rap... That's why I think rap lifting is pretty cool. It's like... Because yeah. you have to learn a technique to walk out the squat. And you have that's to nail that. That's scare me. Yeah. Okay, how about raps? Red lighting or white lighting then? Uh, white light. Will you ever compete in raps? I don't think I ever will personally, just with my knee history. There's too much, mm. too many variables there for me. That's that's all you do is, you know, catch a toe or something like that. You know what's crazy is people urge me to do rap, rap squatting to save my knees. Interesting. And I was like, I don't think you know how knees work. <laughs> because I'm like, how would that... The most gnarly injuries I've seen with legs and, like, in powerlifting with, like, knees and legs have been from rap squatting. Oh, yeah. There was that guy a couple months ago that, like, almost killed himself. Yeah. Like, you, I, 
I've seen so many quad tears and snaps from rap squatting. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know how you guys are saying it's safer. Like, it's most definitely not safer. And, like, think about how much more you can overload with that. Like, yeah. your body's just probably not meant to do it. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're talking about me putting 80 pounds on my squat and thinking that's better for my knees. I'm like, are you guys, there's some, there's some, there's some interesting arguments that powerlifters make that I'm like, where did you come up with that conclusion using logic? And I'm a pretty big science-based type of person. So like a lot of times it's like, where have you seen that this is correct? <laughs> and, and on the flip side, I am not a science-based person. Joe has to explain everything to me. Because I don't know what's going on with, like, anything. So if I say, like, something doesn't make sense to me, it really probably doesn't make sense. Because I'm just using it not even off a science standpoint, just off a logic standpoint. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, because I'm not a person who, like, goes on, like, these things. Like, oh, here's what you should do with your training, and here's the science behind it. No, that is not me. I thought I thought an adductor was located in your back for a long time. Oh. <laughs> not joke. Like, up until, I'm going to say 15 weeks ago. When Joe put in adductor planks, I was like, what the fuck are inductor planks? So I Googled it. I'm like, oh, I thought adductor was lower back. Like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess I was way off on that one. Good thing I never gave advice on how to stop adductor pain. Luckily, I haven't experienced either of those pains. So Very good. And that's why we have coaches. <laughs> yeah. Primarily. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely why I'm Joe. It's like, I can't do things for myself now. Um, running online programs, it's not not going to get you far in the sport so <laughs> all right well that'll do it awesome for our interview thank you for coming on this is this was fun yeah, thank you for having me <laughs> no problem um hopefully see you on again sometime hopefully we can see you on the platform very soon good luck with you know everything uh, i hope there's some sort of way that you can get into ipf worlds I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So um, you're welcome to come on anytime, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by the 57KD national champion, Chrissy Paraki, and she gave me a really fun and interesting interview. Um, apparently, I'm keeping uh, Two White Lights Italian. Um had Joey Flex on the show, me as the host, and now we have Christy on. And, uh, yeah, my laptop agreed with me. But um, awesome interview with her. Talk about, of course, how she got to start in fitness, how she transformed into a competitive power lifter. Um, really interesting conversation about building her confidence as a competitive power lifter. It's hard to believe some of these lifters come on the show and they lack confidence in spite of them being so amazing. Like, she's a national champion, but she – was talking about maybe being like this uh, imposter in the sport, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome, and then coming onto the scene in full force once he won 2019 Raw Nationals. We talked about that as well. Um, terrific performance there. Got her into an IPF World spot. Hopefully IPF Worlds can happen. And from what I've heard, actually, is uh, luck might be on Chrissy's side because it looks like it, that will happen in some way, shape, or form in the future. So um, good news for her. Good news for Chrissy in that regards. And we talk about things we would change in the sport, talk about uh, weight cuts, uh, interesting conversation there, things you love about the sport the much, the growing community in powerlifting. And I debuted a new segment called White Light, Red Light, 
really fun uh, conversation and segment with that. So awesome interview with Chrissy. Hopefully I have her on again sometime. But before we get into the interview, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, use promo code 2WL10, and get 10% off of whatever you need from Leflar Bros. I love all their merchandise. You know I love my baseball tees. It is full beanie season, so I got to have my beanies. Also, they have released some hoodies that I love. Actually, probably are now my new favorite things because it is comfy as a motherfucker and is pretty looking. And those are the two most important things in clothing, prettiness and comfiness. And also, they got Two White Lights banners. If you go on the site, Two White Lights banners, you can get that off 10% off, use that promo code 2WL10. You can only get those banners at leftlarbros.com, and I believe they're releasing some new graphics with their tees, and it looks amazing for all you ancient Rome, ancient Greece fans out there. That's what it looks like, and again, save some money, use promo code 2WL10, get yourself some merchandise. Also, go to Rivalist.net, get all of your informed choice supplements from Rivalist. I use Rivalist for you USAPL lifters. All you drug tested lifters, that little green check mark is going to be very important, and that's why I recommend that you take Rivalus. Use that promo code Angelo15, get 15% off of your order. You can get your pre workout proteins, branching amino acids, whatever you want to take. Use that promo code Angelo15. Informed choice, that's important. Also, go to lift.net. I can't speak. And get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. And they just dropped two new colors that look beautiful. Green and white. They got the olive green and the white. I bought the white because I want to look like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. And that is my goal for my next meet. And they look amazing. People have given me their feedback that how much they love the colors, and I love them too. So go to lift.net, get yourself some stoic gear, use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of your order. Also, go to Notorious Lift. Be sure to follow Notorious Lift on Instagram because that's where they release all their drops, and that's how you keep up to date on what they're releasing. They have a ton of different designs and colors with their slippers, and they're amazing. I love to deadlift with my Notorious Slippers, and I also like to bench them as well. No slip grip is a real thing, and I've only been wearing Notorious Lift since I switched out of my squat shoes. So be sure to visit Notorious Lift. Get yourself some slippers. Also, follow and subscribe to Two White Lights on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. And I thank you so much to the people who... Uh, did that little Spotify rap and showed me that they, I was either in their top five or their number one most listened to podcast. And I just, it's awesome to see that. I know um, the Spotify rap can be cringe and all that stuff, but it really means a lot that, you know, so many hours were listened to Two White Lights. So many people have followed. I think our follows have been up 300% since we, you know, since the last calendar year. And the listens have been through the roof. The growth of the show has been fantastic. And I have no one to thank but you guys. So thank you very much for that. Also, if you haven't followed on Spotify, if you haven't subscribed on iTunes, be sure to do that. You could be listening and it's not doing that. That really means a lot to me if you guys follow and subscribe. But I kept you guys here for a long time. And here it is, Two White Lights. <laughs> 